Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. Hey, football fans. Thanks for checking out Growing the Game with Ballsy. Well into our fourth year, I appreciate the support, and I appreciate the support from these fine sponsors. Let's recognize our first title sponsor, Regina Sports Performance Center, 1464 Broadway Avenue, a new center of excellence for the training and rehabilitation of Saskatchewan's elite athletes. Features indoor football and soccer fields, three-on-three basketball courts, and cardio and weight training facilities all under one roof, plus veteran therapist Scott and Anderson is on site for your physical rehab needs. Our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics above Gavos on Dudney Avenue in Regina. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda. She's quickly becoming the go-to person in the Queen City for your beauty needs like lips, Botox, fillers, and more. Each month here at Growing the Game with Ballsy, we highlight an Indigenous or Métis athlete or coach or builder. And today, I'm talking with Rams backup quarterback, Noah Pelchier. Just talk about uh, the pride of being an Indigenous slash Métis athlete uh, in the world of sports, in the world of football, where there, there are not a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's something I'm super proud of. Um, I, I guess early early on in life, I didn't know a lot about my Métis background, but I'm starting to learn a lot more about it through school. Um, but yeah, I know it's something that's not hugely represented in, in sports and especially football. So I guess it means a lot to me to, to be able to re- represent Métis people within football. And yeah, hopefully it's something we start to see a lot more. How about with this, uh, you know, the whole truth and reconciliation slash residential schools? Did that really come to light and 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 really make uh, pique your interest about your background? Uh, I was actually getting into it a, a lot more before that a bit. Um, my sister started to to really dig deep into it when she got into university, so I started then kinda. And I guess these these past two years of university, I, I've learned a lot more about my background and just. I guess about other indigenous backgrounds as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's nice to, I guess, see see the representation in, in sports and stuff, and see that um, people are getting recognized in sports um, and also outside of sports. Like you said, with with like uh, September 30th and what we saw there, like there's starting to be a lot more recognition, which is really nice to see. What can you do? Do you feel? to be a good role model for maybe, you know, an Indigenous athlete, a Métis athlete looking up to you? Uh, yeah, it, that's also something that's super important to me. Um, like I said, I know there's not lots of representation of Métis or Indigenous um, people in, in sports, including football. So uh, I guess there could be a, lots of different reasons for that. But if one might be like someone doesn't want to play the sport because something to do with their culture, I hope, they can see like the success I've had in the sport and hopefully the success I continue to have and I guess be motivated to, to keep trying and hopefully uh, I guess just being Métis, being Indigenous isn't something that should hold someone back from participating in a sport. So I hope, yeah, what I'm doing, people see that and I just can be motivated through that. Have you experienced any racism in the in the world of football here in Regina and surrounding community? Uh, I can't say I have. The the one thing I guess I've been learning a lot about is myself, uh, because I, I I would be like technically I guess a very white passing Métis person. So when I do bring up my Métis background, lots of people do question it because 
um, I guess Métis doesn't really have a look. That's that's right. something I, I've learned a lot about. Um, so personally, I haven't had to had to deal with any racism like that. Um, but yeah, I know it's it's definitely it definitely is there, especially for probably um, other Indigenous cultures and some Métis people that aren't as white passing as I might be. Um, but yeah, not something I've had to deal with ever. Did you know about Neil Hughes? We used to call him the Métis Missile. He called himself the Métis Missile. Uh, Neil Hughes, a former Ram and, and Rough Rider. Did you look up to him when you were coming up through the football ranks? Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot about him. Um, the program I'm in for university, he actually went through as well. So I've yeah, I've heard a lot about him through football and through through school. Noah, let's talk about a little bit about football. What turned you on to the sport of football? How long have you been playing? Hmm. I, I want to say it's, probably been over 10 years now um i i've always just been uh like i've always just loved sports i guess I, i've pretty much tried every sport i can uh i've been playing football since yeah obviously since i was super young started with flag then i went into to tackle football um and yeah i guess football just really stuck out to me over the other sports um for a lot of reasons uh but yeah, I'm glad that I, I had opportunity to play football outside of high school, and hopefully I can be playing football for a lot longer. Yeah, so what do you like best about the quarterback position, Noah? I guess there's there's a lot that comes with it. It's definitely, I would probably say, one of the hardest sports, or one of the hardest positions to, to play in any sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess one thing that I really like is the challenge of it. Um Lots of people will just see it and think that you just have to be good at throwing a football, I guess, to be a good quarterback. But there's a lot to it. Obviously, you have to be able to to throw a good football. But the, the mental side of the game, too, knowing your plays, knowing defenses, all that stuff, it, it's something that really challenges me, I guess. And, yeah, something that makes me really like being a quarterback. This being Thanksgiving weekend, uh, how thankful are you to be in that quarterback room? You got Mark McConkie, who was a receiver, OC, and now the head coach. I think a pretty progressive coach. You've got Josh Donnelly, and you got that character Sawyer Bittner. What a side! <laughs> what, what a sideline interview with that broken nose. It went viral. That guy isn't he perfect for a quarterback room? He really is. Yeah, and we're we we have a really good football room. Um, like like you said, with the the coaches and the actual quarterbacks, where. We're a good group to be around. We like to to joke around, but then I guess when when it needs to be serious, we'll definitely be serious. Um, and g- great quarterbacks to be around too. Um, they're definitely they definitely push me every day. It's it's it can be hard to keep up with them sometimes. They're so good, but they they definitely make me better and just great guys to be around. You were a heck of a quarterback uh, coming out of high school here in Regina, Belfer, right? I'm right about that. If I yeah. Right. yeah, Belfer, the Belfer Bears. You could really sling the rock, but has patience always been your forte? Because you got to be patient when you're sitting in a room like that behind Donnelly with Bittner there. How patient are you? Uh, I guess through football, I've never really had to be too patient. It's not something I've experienced a lot. Um, like when I when I started playing tackle and when I was in elementary school, I guess I was basically right in the the quarterback role as soon as I got there. Then even in high school, I, I started in grade nine, so I never really had to to wait behind anyone. Um, so yeah, I guess it's something that's that's really new to me coming to the Rams, but it's it's something I, I have learned to enjoy for sure. Um, obviously, I'd love to be out there and playing, but being being behind people, I guess, lets you really, really work on the things you need to work on. 
and also just having people there to to push me like I said is super nice so patience is I guess something I've started to learn a lot more through football um but yeah, I, I think patience is, is really something that's going to make me a great quarterback. Let's do a little uh, visualization, okay? Sawyer yeah, sure. so, Sawyer Bittner has broken his nose again. He can't go into the game. Uh, yeah. Calf cramp for Donnelly. He can't go. He's out for this play. It's third and 10. You're down by four. You got to convert. It's the Hardy Cup against the Huskies. Uh, what What do you call it? Like, what are you throwing here and who are you throwing it to? Ooh, that's definitely a hard one. We have a lot of great receivers. Um, I guess one guy, I'm sure you've noticed, or one guy that's really stuck out to me these past two games, Deshaun Mims. Mm-hmm. He's he's for sure probably our deep ball guy, so I'd, I'd love to, to throw one up to him and like to say 90% of the time he's coming down with it. So he, he might be my go-to guy, but honestly any of the receivers we have on our team would be perfect for pretty much any situation. Okay, favorite route. What's your favorite route to throw? Uh, I would probably have to say the corner route, especially coming to the Rams. I it's it's weird to say, but I, I learned a lot more about the route. Um, like in high school, is just throw it as deep as you can. But but now there's a lot more to it. With I guess like different angles of the ball, you can throw it, and mm-hmm. with different defenses, there's there's different placements. I guess for the corner, so. It's it's kind of a route that you can't really cover if it's run run right and if you throw it right. So yeah, I, I'd probably say that's my favorite. Never asked you because you are an athlete, but you're also a student, and that's just as important, if not more important. Mm-hmm. What what are you taking in school as a Métis student athlete? So I'm in a program called SunTep. It's Saskatchewan Urban Native Teachers Education Program. So it is it's uh, for like elementary education, and everyone in it is indigenous um mostly metis so pretty much everything we learn it's it's really similar to to like just if i went through regular elementary education through the uh Mm -hmm. university of regina Mm -hmm. but we we indigenize a lot of the learning so so yeah i i guess we we learn right now a lot of indigenous learning so when we do get into a class then we can kind of pass that on i guess so last question for you, and I think it ties a, a bow nicely onto this interview. What do you think we can take from a dressing room, from a locker room into society where we can kind of break down this division that we have in the world, whether it's a white guy like me or, you know, versus indigenous or, or, uh, you know, African-Americans, or those type of people, uh, you know, there seems to be, you know, political division, anti-vaccine, vaccine, mask, no mask. What can we? Because you guys all come together in a locker room, especially in football. You could be a Métis guy, a white guy, an Asian guy, a Catholic, a Lutheran, whatever, and you guys put it all aside to put on the same jersey and try to win each Saturday. And I think that's really cool about the sport. And I'd love to take that and take it into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, that's like one of the one of the biggest reasons I chose football. I guess the. Uh, just the, the locker room aspect of it, I guess it's, it's honestly amazing. And yeah, to, to kind of touch on what you said there, like you, you can be in the locker room. You, you like, if someone walked in, they wouldn't really expect all of us to be so close. Um, Cause we are so different, whether it is our cultural background, our beliefs, um, or even just how we look, there's, there's big guys, there's small guys, there's everything. Um, but yeah, when, when we get onto the field, we're all one. Uh, and yeah, I guess just like taking that outside of football 
that's that's something that can be super important just just seeing i guess when you do get together in a big group like that with a bunch of differences how powerful it can be and how every everybody can kind of have their own role uh play their play their strength i guess and Mm -hmm. help each other with their weaknesses as well so yeah i guess that's something we can really focus on obviously on the field and then when we take that into the world as well very well put, Noah. This has been fun. It's nice talking to you, and it's great to highlight uh, another great uh, Métis athlete in our community. Thanks for this, bud. Yeah, thank you. Well, Jags head coach Urban Myers apologized to his family and team for a viral video showing a young woman grinding on him at an Ohio bar. But still, when it comes to times when Myers is showing a complete and total lack of judgment, you can't top the day he signed Tim Tebow to play tight end, can you? Speaking of tight end... That's not what I consider staying behind to visit the grandkids. Aaron Rodgers, they say, may sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. He figures that with the Steelers' offensive line, that's the closest to jeopardy as he'll get. Eminem, Dr. Dre, and Snoop will perform at this year's Super Bowl. They're still deciding which one's going to have the nip slip. China will only allow locals at next year's Olympics. So if you're upset that you can't travel to China in the middle of COVID, what's wrong with you? Of course, last Sunday, Tom Brady played his first game back in Foxborough as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he mostly kept it professional, although there was an emotional moment when he reunited with his old ball deflator. Both the Jets and Giants won their first game last Sunday. Fans of both teams were so used to not celebrating that when they went to high-five each other, they missed. Sends it deep to Thigpen at the Hamilton 15. Marcus Thigpen. First to the middle. Thigpen gets a seed. He's picked up at the last second at the 50-yard line as he was stopped by Montreal's Paul Waldo, who got maybe the tip of a shoelace. Our second quarter is brought to you by Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ at 306-502-5355. It's time for Ball and Paul talking football. Yeah, we're going to talk to Waldo about the Canada West as he coaches the U of S Huskies, the CFL, and his old junior football team, the Regina Thunder. All right, Paul, uh, let's talk uh, U of S Huskies football to start. What did you learn about your team out in Vancouver? I I think we've learned that we're uh, we're a pretty resilient bunch. Obviously, we didn't play the best uh, the the week before, and I think it's kind of one of those situations where um, sometimes maybe you don't think you're as good as you as you are at that at that at that moment. So I think just in terms of you know some of the the criticism that you know those the young kids had on themselves, and I think even us collectively as a coaching staff, it was good for us to be able to bounce back and you know handle some adversity early and up front and uh and i think that was that was really um that was about the the, the main message i think so tell you what uh, your quarterback we knew this but he was throwing the ball all over the field he mm-hmm. had three touchdown passes could have had five if not for a couple of penalties yeah, yeah I, I think he he finally looked uh a little bit more comfortable you know we know how good he can be we know how strong his his arm is and how accurate he can be and and it was nice to kind of see him put it all together and i think you know the receivers kind of played well. You know, we did a thing. We did our thing on offense, um, 
and special teams as well as, as made some plays on defense. So, like I said, it was a, it was a good team win, but obviously it was led by by number eight, and then obviously number twenty and number one did uh, their thing with the likes of the of the offensive line. Yes, so you and China got used. That was a head-scratcher for me the week before, the fact that you guys didn't seem to use him as much as maybe you should on offense, but he definitely mm-hmm. uh, provided that uh, that yin to the yang of Adam Mackard. Totally. totally. They're, 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 they're two tough guys to play against because you know, they're both you know hard runners. I think uh, you know Mackard is, is a more, more of a scat guy, right? He's a little bit more patient in zones, and, and he kind of he, he takes his time and you know got great vision and Chewie's just the guy who who literally can pound the rock, and he's he's tough. Usually doesn't go down on first contact, so they're they're, they're a good combination, I think. Like you said, the yin and the yang, and they're they, you know they they feed off of each other as well, which is nice. And in, in in week one, it's you know it's tough. You know you have a game plan, and sometimes you deviate against it once you're down, or you know once you're once you're playing from behind, and it, it gets hard, gets a little bit more challenging to have a bit more of a balanced attack. So we were able to put it all together kind of early here. At times, you guys looked lost against Calgary in coverage, and uh, then when you Absolutely. were, and then when you were there, he didn't make tackles. Uh, right. So you can't compare one team to another. But what did you like about your secondary and your tackling? Yeah, I think they just tackled better. <laughs> you know, we, and we still, we still, we still weren't perfect. I tell you, um, um, this weekend, but we were better, and I think that's all you can look for. Because yeah, we just fundamentally weren't um, weren't strong, and you know, it's hard enough with with good teams like Calgary to. To not to play mediocre football and expect to have a chance to win, it's just not going to happen. You got to usually play your best football. You you got to be able to put it all together, and and even then, you you're not guaranteed anything. So, um, I think I think that showed in in that first week, and you know it's better to have it happen early um, than it is to late in that late in the postseason where you where you'll end up being lost and, and not having enough time to correct it. All right, so uh, it's nice to get a bit of a break here, and the schedule is more favorable yep. for you guys now on the mm. other side of uh, Thanksgiving. You actually get to have a home game. Right, which is nice. I mean, to start off, um, you know, in, in Calgary, you won the defending Vanier Cup champions, and then, and then to go to Vancouver, which, you know, to be honest, historically, we haven't played overly well there. I think we've only won twice there in four years, and one of them was a playoff game. So um, it, it, it's actually surprisingly a hard place to play, and you know the weather's not overly favorable. It's usually quite quite wet there, and it was their homecoming. They had a pretty loud loud crowd, so it was uh, it was good to get those two two um, on the road out of the way early. Unpredictable first two weeks. I mean, Calgary handles you guys. You didn't play that yeah. great, but you still could have won that game. Then Calgary comes sure. to Regina, and actually the Rams had two touchdowns called back, and they go on to win thirty four twenty one. And then nobody expected Manitoba to be two and zero. So uh, it 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 speaks to the unpredictability of a season that we. You know, two years in the making, uh, so to speak. Absolutely, and I think that's that's great for the league. Um, it's great for the for the division as well. You know, you like to see the parity, and it's uh, like I said, it, it was oddly strange. But I mean, you know, Regina went in there and did their thing, and I, I think they they physically, um, you know, beat them up, and and that was that was one thing I think. You know, you expect. Regina has always played Calgary relatively pretty strong, um, and uh, you know I think we figured it'd be a pretty pretty good matchup. But for them to physically dominate, and you know they got some licks on the quarterback, and you know they they played very strong up front, and they were good in the back end. They didn't give up, um, you know, too many big plays, and and they executed. So it was uh, it was good to see. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Thunder, the Regina Thunder, your old uh, alumni uh, yes, from that program. And I'll tell you what, they're looking good here, undefeated, beat the Hilltops twice. Uh, you know, it's good for junior football to see somebody put a little more heat on the hilltops. Absolutely, I think that team that that team up there has been so dominant for so long, 
Um, and, and like anything, you know, it, it's good for it's good for the league. It's it's good for other kids and other players, and and it's one of those things where um, you know you hope they can they can continue to to do it. And I think it's tough. I uh, I had a chance to go out there and talk talk to the young group uh, two weeks ago, I believe, and uh, you know you you want to make want to make sure that you know they stay even keeled because they're such a talented team, and it's really um, it's. Sounds weird, but it's easy to go. You know, it's potentially eight. No, even though they had two tough games, and and then sometimes, you know, complacency kicks in, and and you know, you you handle a bit of adversity maybe early in the postseason, and, and you don't know how to balance back, right? But they got such a good coaching staff over there. Scotty does a really good job of kind of reeling them in, and so it's it's special. It's um it's it's pretty awesome to watch them. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs go. You know, the hilltop. It's never well, easy. They, it's true what they say. It's never oh, easy to never. beat a team three times. It, it really isn't, and especially that team. Um, you, you know, they they got a pretty strong coaching staff over there who's done it. I mean, they've they've built a standard, they've built a culture over there that literally is second to none. So um, they'll be prepped and they'll be ready to come back and, uh, and and essentially take what they think is theirs. So it'll be it'll be a good test for the boys, and, and it'll be okay. All right, let's talk about uh, the CFL for a bit here before we wrap up <laughs> with you, Cody Fajardo. He has apologized for what he said. Uh, what did you think when you heard the comments about uh, you know after the game and not happy that his receivers, other than Key and Schaefer Baker, don't seem yeah. to have the ability to get fifty fifty balls? You know, I I think I mean the game of football. To I mean. It, it's a heated moment. Um, it's a heated game. It's a violent game. It's, it's aggressive and it's very emotional. And I think interviewing guys, we've always said this. I know we had the debate a few years ago when Cam Newton decided to not talk after the Super Bowl. And, and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's it's not overly surprising, um, you know, where people tend to tend to lash out and, you know, make comments that they, they end, to, end up taking back. But I think it was surprising because of Cody Fajardo and, and the type of person he is you, you just wouldn't expect that um and and like i said you know it's it's tough because losing is not an easy thing uh it's a catalyst for a lot of negative behaviors and sometimes i think that's the one thing they just got to keep uh, keep in mind that it's uh there's still a lot of football left and um you know there's, there's better ways to handle it but i'm surprised i was pretty surprised in actually, fairness, from, in like fairness like to cody he takes a beating he's he's trying his yeah, best yeah, you, yeah. you can't you yeah. can't deny the guy's just grinding out there oh, uh, but uh, but absolutely. as i always say paul when you get the bag you get the blame totally. so you get the bag of totally. money you get the blame and, and the only hey. you know the only answer there is hey we all got to be better but i missed totally. two open touchdown passes uh, you know what? And you said it. You said it, Mike. And you played the game. And you get it at a high level. I mean, regardless of, of what happens, I think that's where leadership is exemplified. And obviously, in, in tough and dark and losing moments, and and that's what it is. You know, you're the quarterback. You're the guy that gets paid the most on the field. You're the guy that touches the ball every play. And you're the guy that has the biggest impact in, in trying to dictate how the game plays out. So, um, regardless of what everybody else is doing around you, you know, you're essentially say what you want to say, but you're. A quarter of a million dollar quarterback, or even more, throwing to a kid that's probably making fifty five thousand dollars. Not to say that there's an excuse for him dropping the football, but like you said, um, you know, if, if you're the one getting the bag, then you're the one that's got to got to take the blame. So yeah, for sure. Hey, so but here's an here's something that I don't think the average fan gets, and it's not a cut down to the average fan, but they mm-hmm. pay they pay their money for the jerseys, they buy the totally. tickets, they show up with they get a beer and a nachos. Totally. They don't. I don't think it's really it really sinks in just how hard it is to win and how hard it is when you lose. Like it is a gut punch. You put in so much time and effort for that week. It really, really is heartbreaking to lose. Oh, it it, it is. I mean, think, think of the hours and how much preparation you do to play 
you know, a dozen plus games or whatever. There's 14, 15 games. And not only that, but there's a lot of stress that they don't see because they, they think it just starts and stops when the whistle blows and, you know, you lose a game and, and that's what it is. But, you know, you got jobs on the line and people have bonuses and their income and the way they feed their families. And, you know what I mean? There's a lot of strain, a lot of pressure. You know, contracts are not guaranteed. There's a lot of things that they don't see um, that, alleviates the more stress and, and things behind the scenes. So the pressure is there. And, and when you lose in pro, pro sports, you feel it. You feel it in the locker room. You know, the coaches feel it. Management feels it. Um, you know, and you even just look at a team like Ottawa, per se. I mean, you know, they've been under a lot of heat the last few weeks. And, and even just listening to Paul Lapolice in, in his yeah. post-game interview yesterday, it was, like, it, it was like he almost won the lottery, essentially, because it was like something, I mean, after losing four or five, six straight or whatever it is, it was like something needed to break and. And so, like I said, you're right. You know, the average fans, they, they don't understand that. That's why we got shows like this, so we can yeah. have guests that can go in there and explain. explain Actually, uh, and, good guests, and good guests like you. I want to get to a personal thing we had once, but to, to kind of put it into perspective. But let's quickly sure. talk about Duke Williams, because right now, there are no excuses for Cody now. You got a guy that is Mr. 50-50 ball. Yeah, I mean, there's if I've, in 12 years, you know, 10 years of being – you know, an athlete, eight years of being an athlete and, and, you know, five now on the, on the radio and in the media. I mean, I, I don't think we've seen a better guy win the, win the, the 50, 50 ball. Uh, there, there just really is nobody better. So you want to talk about uh, a guy who's really going to, really going to help what's, what's going on on the field right now. And I think, you know, winning 50, 50 balls. I mean, sometimes it's one of those things where quarterbacks don't make the best throws, right? That's what they call 50, 50. I mean, it's not like it's a perfect back, back shoulder throw it's, it's something that is contested um and, and duke williams gives you a chance of doing that so yeah for sure okay lastly and and mike McCull- <laughs> mike mccullough said this in our rider broadcast on ckrm so yeah. he he believes everybody should have a chance to put deodorant on before they sit in front of a microphone and and i believe that to be true because you're one of the nicest guys that i've ever met in my life and i interviewed you after a game, and you blew me off. Now, in cur- in, in, you know, kudos to you. You came back the next day or two days later and said, Ballsy, I'm really sorry. I was just frustrated. I think you gave up a touchdown or something like that. And you were, you know, but after I thought about it, it is stupid when you think about it. We, we're sticking, a, we're, you yep. guys are playing or coaching a sport where it is physical in nature. It's, you know, be hunted or, or hunt. And, hunt, and, yeah, and, and, and then, and then we stick a microphone in your face right after with the testosterone and the adrenaline. And then we're shocked oh. by what you say. It's one of the, it's crazy. It's crazy when you, when you, when you put it out loud like that. And I know from my personal experience, going back to that, I mean, I'm glad we didn't even do the interview because I wouldn't have even been, my mind wouldn't have even been there. And it wasn't obviously. And that's why yeah. I would have, I would have blown you off. Right. I mean, the first thing I was thinking is God, am I going to have a job next week or am I going to be playing or dressing? And like I said, it's, it's deeper than just being tired and saying, Oh, I don't want to talk to Michael ball. That's definitely not the case. Right. So um, it happens. It happens to guys like me who tend to be, Usually, ninety nine point percent of times, incredibly respectful, you know. So um, it happens. So uh, with that being said, you know, I, uh, I I get where kind of Cody's coming from. Like I said, that my, the only thing with 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 his uh, situation is, like I said, maybe taking a bit more of the of the blame as it's it's just really not easy out there in terms of in terms of. Um, well, it's like you, you said, know, when you get guys, the ba- when we get you know, the ba- you get the bag, you get the blame. Yeah, that's just the way money, it is. You get the money, you got to do it. You, you got to do it. That's the way it is. Hey, thanks for this, man. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks, Mikey. We'll chat soon. 
Well, some people like going outside in the summer. Like me, fall is their favorite time of year. Personally, I could care less when you go outside, as long as you do it, especially because it's so nice right now. If you need some motivation, here's some reasons why you need to be outside. Your neighbors may leave their garage door open. Hey, free bike? When birds tweet, it's got nothing to do with politics or religion or vaccines or masks. Unlike all those times you lock yourself in your car, it's not as obvious that you're trying to avoid your family. Squirrels don't judge you for being drunk at 2 p.m. Another reason to spend more time outside, when the wind whips through your hair, you'll look just like Jason Momoa, or in my case, Jason Alexander. You know, Costanza. And we begin the second half of Growing the Game with Ballsy by pointing out another great title sponsor, Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA, your SGI Elite accredited auto body repair shop. Locally owned and certified collision care OEM approved shop. They provide comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best in-class collision repair shops. They manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of. The high-performing technically advanced team of experts knows how to deliver exceptional workmanship and service in the shortest time possible. Call Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. Our third quarter is brought to you by Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, give my good buddy Corey Zadorozniak a call at 306-421-9256. And speaking of Prince Albert, this week, it's the Canadian Tire Classic. P.A. Carlton facing St. Mary's in a big-time football matchup in that city. We catch up with St. Mary's head coach, Kurt Hundeby. All right, we're headed up to Prince Albert where they've got some good football being played up north. I'm talking to Kurt Hundeby with St. Mary's. Now, I have to admit, what's your team name? I don't know that. We are the Marauders. The Marauders. Okay, St. Mary's Marauders taking on P.A. Carlton. And it's the Canadian Tire Classic, October the 8th this year. Tell us about this game in the background. Uh, Carlton and us have had uh, each other on our schedule for close to 15 years. But uh, the Canadian Tire Classic became into being um, a little while ago. And uh, just kind of a bit of a brainchild between the three or the two coaches and then actually one of our uh, local media guys in town who is one of our, our head officials. And so we had a big to-do um, we had like we brought in literally brought brought big screens in and TV cameras and the first year and uh, kind of really hyped it up as kind of a big uh, special football event in PA and uh, it was awesome. And has it been uh, pretty steady in terms of popularity since then? Oh, it's easily our our best attended game. Um, the the stand the stands are packed and the you know um, the bleachers are full. The 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 berm with the trees is all full, and uh, yeah, it's usually a pretty exciting atmosphere. What happened to the game last year? It wasn't played then? It was it, 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 we sat it out because of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, COVID beat both teams one nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. So it's going to be nice to get back to playing in front of some folks. Yes, absolutely. It uh, it will. What is this year nine? Like you've played eight previous games. COVID's one and zero, and then there were eight other games. Uh, yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure it's eight other games. So. And uh, who's leading the series here, my friend? We actually lead in the series seven to one. We've had uh, had some good good luck in the past. Um, twenty eighteen, Carlton beat us. They had a very very talented team that year. And then we took it in twenty nineteen. And then last year we didn't play it. Every year it's uh, every year it's up for grabs. Give me some of the names on your team we should watch for here or listen for when when this game goes down and for the rest of the year actually. Yeah, sure. You know what? We're actually live streaming that game too. If anyone ever wants to watch, uh, nice. be the first first game up in PA, we're going to live stream. So, 
Um, yeah, we're uh, some of the guys that you would want to watch from our side of the ball. Well, Ethan G is probably um, one of the most dynamic athletes I've ever coached. Uh, he plays on offense, and he plays on defense, and he plays on special teams. Um, he'll return the ball for us. He's actually kicking the ball for us. He's one of our running backs. He backs up the quarterback. Um, yeah, he's he's a really special player. Uh, tall, fast, tough, coachable, good attitude. One of those guys that uh, you wish you had two or three of them every year. We've got a we've got a handful of really really talented guys. Um, defensively, uh, Cole Otterson is our one of our key defensive players. He's a linebacker. Really smart, really fast, and uh, and understands the game really well. And does a great job of adjusting to different offensive formations. And we brought him in a position where he's kind of the main the main adjustment guy. Whatever offenses throw at us, Cole is the is the guy that rearranges our defense and and lines himself up in the right spot so that we're still in uh, in, in a sound defense. Kurt, talk about your coaching staff that's with you at, at St. Mary's at the Marauders uh, because it's not just one guy that makes the world go around in terms of coaching. Oh, absolutely not. Probably most of your list. Listeners want to understand that with all the different positions in football and the diversity in skill sets in football, you can't just have one or two coaches do the same thing with a whole bunch of group of guys. I mean, what the defensive backs do and what the offensive line do are miles apart different. And so I've got uh, I've got a really good coaching staff this year. I'm really blessed to have them. So I'm coaching offensive line along with uh, one of my administrators, Jason Bordon. And uh, I've got Jordan Carrier, who's coaching my quarterbacks. Armin Schellenberg's got my running backs. Javen Beckson's got my receivers. And then over on the defensive side, I've got a couple of ex-Huskies doing my linebackers and defensive backs and Andrew Abs and Lance Bashutsky, respectively. And I've got a brand new to teaching, uh, brand new out of Marion Graham, Tate McDougall's doing my defensive line. So we, we've got all the bases covered with some, with some really quality guys. How long have you been coaching for, my friend? This is my, well, at St. Mary's, this is my 16th year here coaching. And then before then, uh, while I was in Saskatoon, while I was finishing up, uh, I did a little bit of coaching while I played Hilltops. And so I coached that at Maiden Bowman for a couple of years and thought it was a little too difficult to coach while I played Huskies. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I've got probably just shy of 20 years of coaching experience. That's where I remember the name from, Kurt, uh, Kurt Hundeby from, from Hilltop and uh, Husky lore. I get it now. Now it's starting to... Now things are starting to come into focus for me, my friend. Start, starting starting yeah. to fall in place. Yeah, yeah once right. upon a time. Yeah, we're both getting older. I'm older than you, but I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a great – where does your love of football come from? Like, what keeps you coming back year after year doing this? Uh, hands down, it's the players. Uh, hands down, it's the players. And, it's a, I mean, it's a different mix of kids every year, but I just – I mean, I, I realize the need. Um, and it's one thing that I really try and impress upon my coaches, and, and they've all bought in that – it's about the relationship with the kids. I mean, the X's and O's come second, but it's about, you know, relationship with these young guys, um, being good role models for them, showing them what it looks like to have work ethic, uh, what it looks like to be a part of a team, band together, um, fight through adversity, and with no guaranteed payoff. You know, that's the beautiful thing mm-hmm. about sport is that you can work your hardest and even be in a spot where you should win and you might not. And that's a, like the life lessons that you learn out of that are absolutely I don't believe you can replace them in any other scenario other than team sport. I really don't, especially for these kids at this age. It's an eloquent way to put it, uh, Kurt. I uh, really like those words. Looking at your football team, where's the strength of your football team this year? Well, it's, it's really, we've got a handful of guys, a handful of grade 12s that are, that are two-way players for us. We actually don't have a very big roster, so we've got a bunch of guys that are on both sides of the ball. To be honest, so far, our defense has really gelled and come together. Um, last week against Walter Murray, they did a really good job um, of stopping them, keeping that. They never scored a touchdown. They only gave, two, gave up two field goals. Our offense really struggled moving the ball, so I'd say right now our strength is definitely on defense. Um, and we hope to, as an offensive coach, I really hope that 
uh, we can get our offense uh, fired up and, and tuned up so that it, uh, it can match what our defense is doing. Man, the game has changed from when you and I played because the interest level, at least when I played, was through the roof. We had a school, a high school of like 350 people. I swear 90 guys went out for football. Uh, coaches would die for that now just to have the pick of all these different guys. So maybe the popularity in terms of size of rosters changed. But also, Kurt, how, is it, how has it changed for you coaching these kids? you got to coach them a different way now than you did back in the day when you first started, I would imagine. Oh, I, I, I coached, back in the day, I coached how I was coached, right? And and I think most coaches are probably in a similar way where um, whatever coaches you had. So, I mean, I had BT and Sarge as my two main yeah. influences. And, and then my high school coach, which is Phil Giebert. Um, so I coached like those guys. And, uh, and so that was, I, I realized in a, in a fairly short amount of time, um, nothing against those coaches, but coaching high school, high school players is, is a different ball of wax. Um, and so, Again, I've just I've I've had to I've had to modify my approach. I'm I'm much more deliberate about actually getting to really getting to know my players, getting to know where they're from. Um, I've, like I we started we started a school Instagram like a football Instagram, and just all I do is I follow my players and I pump their tires and I I see what they're into. And I mean I never I'd have I'd never know that you know one of our players got a new truck or one of our kids loves fishing if I didn't follow them on Instagram. Um, just a way for me to connect so that, uh, you know, so I know them better, right? Because, I mean, if I, if I genuinely care about these guys, which I do, I should know them. But if you've got, you know, between our junior and senior kids, we've probably got about 60 players. To know each one of them individually is a, is a major amount of work. So amongst our coaches, we try and uh, really focus on knowing our positions really well, like knowing the guys in our position really well, um, staying connected with them, and then, Really being genuine and being honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys don't respond, to, at least my guys. My guys don't respond anymore to yelling. You know, yeah. if you bark at them, um, the, the odd one gets motivated by it. But most guys just, that's not, that's not a positive way to go about it. So it's, it's all about, I want to be specific in the correction and in the teaching. Um, and, and also specific in the, in the admonishment, too. If they do something right, I don't go, yeah, that's a good job. I want to be specific. You know, your hand placement was awesome on that block. Or your footwork was fantastic. Your left foot did the exact right spot, and we worked on that all week. Then they know that, A, I'm watching, and B, I care. And rather than just going, hey, good job, and, and we praise the process, not the result. That's we can like, have a great play in practice. Yeah. And if we didn't do it right, uh, we, we want to fix the process. That's a good way to put it. And I also find coaching – I haven't coached in a bit, but I have coached recently – Kids nowadays want to know why they're doing something, I find. Like, before you and I were told to do something, we did it. But now I find they ask, why am I doing it this way? You have to be kind of more of a teacher, like you said. Oh, I, I think, I think if, you can, if you can coach the whys, um, not only does that help their understanding, but also football's a dynamic game. And when they get onto the field, come game time, and the way you coached it isn't exactly how that other team lines up, if they understand why they're doing something, they're probably going to have a better chance of making the correct adjustment on the field versus just going, well, I coach told me to block that guy. Coach told me I've got 44. Okay, well, what if 44 lines up at linebacker instead of defensive end? Well, mm-hmm. do you still have 44? Absolutely not. But if he understands why you're doing it, if he understands the process or the concept, then he's more likely to make the right decision before we have to make an adjustment on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, thanks for this. I really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the year. And in that big Canadian Tire Classic against P.A. Carlton, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. I'm glad to, glad to be on your show.
And it's time to recognize another title sponsor. Thanks to Kevin Welsh of Hammer Time Roofing for getting on board with this podcast. Dude's a great community guy who has spoken with his wallet supporting his Rough Riders and my podcast. Hammer Time Roofing is Saskatoon's only certified roofing business. They specialize in GAF, CertainTeed, and Mallorquee roofing products and offer a manufacturer's warranty. Give Hammer Time a call at 262-ROOF. The fourth quarter stretch is brought to you by Driven Automotive. They have offered superior auto repair services in Regina for the last 15 years. Their customers' total satisfaction is what they deliver. They are driven to create the best car repair event you've ever experienced. Now, I love hosting the Rough Rider Roundtable on the Rider Radio Network, the flagship station, 620 CKRM. I love the passion of Rider Nation and their dedication to Canada's team. But some fans absolutely kill me. Here's a couple of examples. Rider fan calls Roundtable. We are so boring and predictable on offense. What the hell is Moss doing? Is he using the leftover playbook from McAdoo? Riders go for it on third and three early in the game against Calgary, and Cody misses a wide-open Kyran Moore. Rider fan, why are we gambling there? I'll tell you, boys, we're never winning anything with Dickinson and Moss. They're out to lunch. Um, excuse me, Cody missed the pass, not Moss or Dickinson. Rider fan calls the round table. I want my quarterback playing with passion, fired up. Cody says he's frustrated that his receivers can't get the 50-50 balls. Rider fan, Cody needs to quit being selfish. He's acting like Brandon Banks. <laughs> uh, listen, I don't mind Cody being fired up. He puts his body on the line for this team every week. He's the closest we've had to elite quarterbacking here since 2014. But Cody, you absolutely can't be calling out your receivers and the fact they're not making plays on the 50-50 ball. Darian Durant never called out his receivers, saying he needs more bags and dresslers and fantuses. You can address that crap in the locker room, but in front of us media, you have to say, we all need to play better, I need to be better, I miss two wide-open TD passes. If you're getting the bag, Cody, bag full of money, you get the blame. That's it. End of discussion. And by calling out your receivers who you make four and in some cases eight times more than, do you think they're really going to high point the ball when it's thrown behind them? You think they're really going to give it that little extra effort to bail you out after saying that? I don't know, man. I think an apology in this case, too late. Also, after that game, I'm not sure what 50-50 balls you were talking about. The last pass was against two defenders, and quite frankly, it was your decision to throw it there. And once again, Cody, as it relates to that game, you hit one deep ball and missed two easy throws. So maybe look in your backyard first. And with the signing of Duke Williams, Mr. 50-50 ball, there are no more excuses. Lastly, let's look at CFL attendances. Hamilton had 18,000. Calgary had 25,516, which is 10 grand short of a sellout. And by my guesstimation, 2,500 of those fans were wearing green and white. BC did sell out a maximum 12,500. And the very hard-to-watch Red Blacks had 12,108. And the ratings have been soft in recent weeks, too. It sure is evident to me that missing a year really hurt this league at the gate and on TV. People find other things to do. And then when they do tune in and the product is meh, that's a problem. That year off hurt the product. Time now for another round of Nobody Asked Me But. 
Nobody asked me, but I'm convinced that Drake and Nicki Minaj are record company creations designed to punish us for pirating music by giving us this crap instead. Nobody asked me, but if you're the kind of man who rates women out of 10, there's a good chance that you're also a bit of an ass. Nobody asked me, but former NFL quarterback Jay Cutler wants half of his ex-wife Kristen Cavallari's business in their divorce. But remember, he also wanted an NFL career, so he's failed before. Nobody asked me, but pharmacies in the U.S. are still giving prizes to people who get vaccinated. Hey, if pharmacies really wanted to lure customers into their stores, they should stop blasting Peter Cetera and Chicago. Nobody asked me, but... Dogs are being trained to detect coronavirus. Is it being discovered in the crotch? I don't know. I don't get it. Nobody asked me, but there's a new smartphone device that detects if you're high. It's called the Pizza Hut delivery app. And nobody asked me, but workers at all of Kellogg's cereal plants in the U.S. have gone on strike. I'm assuming it's because they're paying benefits. Aren't that a great? Time now for the extra point where we break down the Canada West this past week. The player of the week. Well, it was the Gavin Cobb show Friday night under the lights at Foot Field in Edmonton. The newcomer receiver from SFU scored a trio of touchdowns leading the Manitoba Bisons to a 31-17 win over the Alberta Golden Bears. Cobb scored a pair of majors through the air from quarterback Jackson Tachinski. The big highlight, though, was a 91-yard punt return touchdown in the second quarter. The honorable mention goes to Gaurishan Aravinthan. He enjoyed a breakout game for the Rams as the second-year DB became the first U of R player in nearly three years to record two interceptions in a game. He ran the first one back 58 yards. The second one sealed the win as he wrestled the ball away from a Calgary receiver with a minute and a half to go in the Rams' end zone. The biggest win of the week? The Rams knocking off a banged-up Dinos team. It wasn't only the first win for Rams head coach Mark McConkie, but also the U of R's first win in history over a team ranked number one in the nation. With a win like that, and maybe a couple of more, it won't be long before that stupid interim tag is removed from Mark McConkie's head coaching business card. Most surprising win? Well, it has to be the visiting Manitoba Bisons. They controlled their road game with Alberta, scoring first and never relinquishing the lead. Jackson Tashinsky, as previously mentioned, finished with 180 yards passing and three touchdowns. He added 52 yards on the ground on nine carries in his first career start. The Bisons are first in Canada West at 2-0. and Speaking of surprising, the best quarterback performance, well, the Huskies at 1-1 one one, racked up 626 total yards of offense as veteran quarterback Mason Nias threw for 351 and three touchdowns, two of them to Colton Clawson. Nias also had two touchdown passes taken off the board due to foolish penalties. Sam Baker and Daniel Perry each amassed more than 100 yards receiving, while running back Josh Uinchina put up 114 yards on the ground with a major score. And it's nice to see Scott Flory get the former Hilltop star some touches on offense. The worst quarterback performance? Well, Bears veteran Brad Lonhart. He was benched for parts of the second and third quarter and finished with just a measly 85 passing yards on 10 of 19 throwing. He added 59 yards on the ground and had one rushing score. 
from the Chips Off the Old Block segment. Rams receiver Deshaun Mims, son of former rider and blue bomber Robert Mims, had two touchdown grabs, including a 48-yarder. The Calgary receiving duo of Jalen and Tyson Philpot, sons of former CFL running back Corey Philpot, combined for 260 yards receiving. A good chunk of that total came on a 107-yard completion to Jalen early in the game. The teams now headed their Thanksgiving break and my long-awaited Top 50 Can West YouTube show is out this week. I apologize for the delay, but we had some technical difficulties that had to be ironed out first. Now I want to point out, this show was put together in the long off-season, so it doesn't include what we've seen through the first two weeks. Thanks to U of R film student Eric Cox for his help. Watch my social pages for the update, but it will be out this week. Watch it and share with everybody in the football community and your friends and family too. That's the only way we grow this outstanding game. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.